everyone around the world listening. It is time for Slow Your Roll. It is Monday. We're being consistent on Monday again. We're doing good. Monday, May 23rd, 2022. And it's time for everyone to relax, sit back, slow their roll. We got a, we got a, a, lot, of, a lot of Boston sports this week. We're going to talk mm-hmm. Red Sox. We're going to talk Celtics. We're going to talk Patriots again. They've released a schedule. Uh, we're going to talk a little college football in a second. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a, a little bit of NHL hockey, not Bruins, but NHL hockey. And then, you know, the, uh, the usual Darwin, the usual Tommy update. Maybe if we have time, we'll play a little game. I'm not even going to say the game in case we don't get to it. Yes. But it's, uh, it's pretty packed. Could be a pretty packed show. Mm. So, Dom. Yes. There's, uh, there was some news out with Nick Saban that yeah. you want to talk about. Nick's, Nick Saban throwing some verbal haymakers. So I'll, I'll turn it over to you. Over the week. Yes. So Nick Saban decided to go out and throw some verbal haymakers at Jimbo Fisher specifically, and then also one dig on Deion Sanders saying he paid a guy a million dollars. And you know what? Nick Saban, Nick Saban has, you know, he has his famous rants to the media, and he's, he manipulates the media pretty well. But I don't think this is that scenario. I don't think this is the case here. I think you're seeing the result of a man who is losing control, a control freak who is losing control. Alabama and Nick Saban is losing control now. With the NIL. He already lost to Jimbo Fisher and AM last year. He finally just lost to Kirby Smart, who has that thing humming now in Georgia. Finally got over the hump and got their win. And let me tell you, something is on the horizon that is going to really hurt Nick Saban's ability to dominate the sport. Besides the fact that the SEC just has some amazing coaches in it now, with the NIL, you've completely changed the game for a lot of programs. And you'll change the game for Alabama. Despite what we think about Alabama and the football, how committed they are, the state of Alabama does not have the resources and the money that some of its biggest competitors do. Texas, with all its oil money, is going to start getting some of the best players to come there with the money that they can give these kids for their name, image, and likeness. Texas Tech right now, not a superpower at all in football, is number two in next year's recruiting class right now. Now, it's early in the class, and I'm sure that won't stay. But the fact that Texas Tech is even there right now should tell you something about just how the NIL and the money is changing things for recruiting in college. All that oil money in Texas and how much they're all about Texas. Texas A&M has been one, two, three, four, five in recruiting the last couple of years. They had the best recruiting class of any, any college last year and last year's recruiting class. They'll stay right up there. Sark now in Texas, as much as I don't like Sarkeesian, and I don't think Texas is going to be back to the same level people do, now with the ability to just throw money at people, Texas might be back just because of the resources that they have. USC with Lincoln Riley already bringing Caleb Williams there, getting the best wide receiver in football, uh, in college football on the transfer portal. They will continue to get great players because USC has the money. And despite what you think about athletics and stuff there. USC is huge in Los Angeles. As long as they have the right coach and they're winning, they're all about USC football. You just have to be winning. And Lincoln Riley will bring that. And you'll get plenty of donors with plenty of money who are willing to spend it on these kids to get them to USC. Nick Saban is losing control and he will lose his hold and dominance over college football. And I think he sees it and I think he knows it. This is not going to say Bama is going to go into the tank because they are not. But... The days of him dominating everything are 
over. Even even some of the small town people that you don't think have a significant money advantage over Alabama, they do. I spent time in Louisiana and around that program and talking to people. LSU has more resources and money than Alabama does. And even with Saban as the coach, LSU would have years of better recruiting classes than Alabama. And that was one of the frustrations for why they got so mad with the coaching. Because they were like, we'd have just as good of players as Bama, and yet we can't beat them. But they had Ed Ogeron as their coach, or Les Miles before that. So, you know, this air of dominance that Saban has had over college football, I believe, is coming to the end with the NIL. And I think there's going to be a, a bunch of other things that are about to change. Um, with Oklahoma now going to the SEC, that's another place that doesn't have the money or the resources uh, despite how great they have been in football that you might think some of the other schools have. Give it a couple years, Texas might dominate over Oklahoma again. I think Oklahoma Sooner football dominance as an error now with the NIL is going to be over. I truly believe that. Oklahoma doesn't have that kind of resources and stuff like that. Now you're going to put them in the SEC with Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, all these other schools, Florida, and Austin, Texas, and Sarkeesian with, with all the resources and money. I think the days of uh, Oklahoma Sooner dominance are over as a football program, even though that's crazy to say because they've always been one of the best teams. I think the NIL is changing everything, and I think Nick Saban was a man who is losing control, lashing out at what he is seeing happening. Because, you know, all these college coaches, this is why they don't work as much in the NFL. They're all control freaks. They really are. They have to control everything, control the program, the boosters, the players, the other coach, even the schedules. They control their own schedules. Did you know that in college football? Nope. They schedule their own games and stuff like that. I mean, the athletic director technically does, but we all know if you're Nick Saban. Come on. No, no schedule, no team, especially on the road, out of conference, gets approved without Nick Saban's, you know stamp of approval so no one is more of a control freak than Nick Saban and he's seeing it slip through his fingers and that is why he lashed out the way he did over the week mm. would you say it's a, like a situation of the evil empire falling apart a little bit a little bit yeah I mm. would I would I mean again it, it's gonna take a few years but they already just lost the national title right game to Georgia who they always were beating and like I said, it's going to take a few years. Bama will stay at the top of recruiting because of what Saban has built and everything like that. But Saban, in his age now, is going to have to work a lot harder, in my opinion, over the next few years. Because he just has competition like he's never had before. And the whole state of Texas can throw this money around and get players. They will. There's no more cherry-picking for Alabama going to California, getting whatever quarterback and wide receiver I want, going into Texas, getting whatever lineman, defensive lineman I want. None of that anymore. Texas will have the money, the wins, and the resources to keep those guys. And Lincoln Riley, if, I mean, listen, if you're an offensive player of all, you want to play with Lincoln Riley. So the days of cherry-picking whatever he wants out of whatever state he wants are probably over for Saban, and now he is at a money and resource disadvantage to some of his biggest competitors. And the University of Texas will be joining the SEC as well with Oklahoma in a few years. So the stakes have been upped against Nick Saban. They're all they're all they're all coming to get him. Mm. And I had a it was one of the first couple of shows we did. Mm -hmm. I had a rant about how much I hate 
college football. Mm-hmm. And one of those big reasons is because it was just always Alabama there. Like mm-hmm. I, one of the reasons I don't really like to watch basketball is like it's always LeBron, it's always the Lakers, it's always a couple, few teams. Now, if it's my team, great, but that's not my team. So yeah. I don't want. Um, it's also hilarious that Saban would even mention how he's worried about the parity of college football with now what's happening with the NIL. Mm-hmm. That is laughable. <laughs> that's so funny. You were never a fan of parity before, Nick. Why are you bringing that up now? Mm. There was no parody. It was you and everybody else. Yeah, and that well, that's one of the big problems I felt is like it's always the Nick Saban show. It's always the Alabama show. It's like oh, these teams are doing pretty good, but like it's always gonna be Alabama there. Mm-hmm. And that's that's I think that was a, a big problem for college football. Now they still make their money. Mm-hmm. They still get the views. The pet stadiums were always still gonna be packed. But like as just. I mean, I wouldn't even call myself a casual viewer because I don't view at all. Mm-hmm. But, like, to the casual viewer, like, that's that's a real turnoff. Mm. If it's just, like, I don't want to watch Alabama every time. Mm. I don't want to see them win every time. It's mm. it's it's really fun when other teams win, yes, for, regardless of the sport. Yeah, so I, I think this will probably be really good for college mm. football. Mm. Bad for Saban, mm. but he's old. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna retire soon probably, and this will maybe hurry that up. And it might. It I'm might, sick of hearing about him. It definitely might hurry it up. And it's it's crazy because I mean they're just so committed in Bama and down there for, for, uh, for football and stuff. But like I said, I mean, it's going to be tough considering at what just a resource disadvantage you're going to be at. I mean, a kid, even if he's from near Alabama and grew up wanting to play for Alabama, if I can go to Southern California or Austin, Texas, and know I'm going to make ten million dollars before I even like step on the field, I mean. You know, does California have a lot of money, though? Oh, yeah, it does. Does it? Oh, it, listen, not to get political, but California is hilarious well, a- because California is like the most, you know, hourglass thing in the world. Despite how much their politics want to talk about helping the poor, there's no bigger gap than in California between the elites and everybody else. Well, because I'm curious. They how destroy these- the middle class in California. I am curious. So how- there is a lot of money in California, despite what you think. Is going wrong in that state. Okay. But, like, because I'm curious how these, you know, like, I believe you. Like, Texas definitely has more money than the state of Alabama, Georgia. Um, but, like, how does that help the colleges, though? Because the colleges can't just—the uh, colleges can't just write a check to the players. That's not how it works. Yeah. You, as a college, you can't pay these kids. They need to—they what they do is they make money off their own name, image, and likeness. So you have— Boosters who are around the program who are private, you know, private entities, private business owners, all that, who give money to the school in order to promote the football team and help them, you know, they buy them equipment, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Those same boosters now can pay a kid money and say, hey, will you be, you know, a, a spokesman advertiser for my local business? Okay. Or even on a national level, they could, probably could do it. I haven't seen a national commercial with a college kid yet, but, I mean, like, there's no reason to think that's not going to happen eventually. Okay. So, yeah, that's how it works. And so when you have people around the program of Texas or USC or Texas A&M with significantly more money than the people who are around Alabama, this is what's going to happen. Mm, Okay. And that's why I'm saying Nick's losing control, and Nick knows that he doesn't have the resources that some of his bigger competitors do. Mm. No, okay. Yeah. So I it, makes, it makes sense to you now. Yes. All right. No, I, I get it. Okay. Yeah. I, I, how long do you think 
I know you, you're not an expert of college football, but thinking as, you know, rosters turnover, and you can think of how far it takes dynasties and all the fall. How long do you think it before Alabama starts really feeling the effects here? Well, I think... Because, I mean, they were still the second-best team in football last year. They lost to Georgia. Yeah, but, like, they weren't as dominant no. the entire time. No. They had a... They, you know, they got it together, I feel, at the end. Because, um, like, even me, like, I've, I've even said when I had that ran way back when... Even though I don't really pay attention, I don't care, I don't watch, it's in my face. So I, I'm generally up to date with it, for, with it for the most part. Like, I know who's winning. I know who's losing. Mm -hmm. um, so, and I think this season will probably tell us a lot of how much, uh, how, lot, how much time Alabama has left as that dominant force. Um, because if, like, these teams come up pretty quick, then, like, I, I mean, maybe just two, three more years. But, like, I, right now I'll go maybe another five Okay. Six years. Okay. Wow, you're you're more optimistic than me actually on it. I think it's uh I think it's I give it two to three. I give okay. it about three years. Okay. He's got he's got his, you know, top ranked quarterback Bryce Young still for next year and plenty of great wide receivers. And USC was in such shambles that even though Lincoln Riley is there and they'll start winning a lot of games at least this year, when it comes to the depth and structure of USC, like O line, D line and stuff, they're still significantly under where they need to be. Um, so I think USC is going to take three years before we see them on the national level. Uh, LSU, new coach, new system might take a year. We know George will be right there with Bama. Florida's going to get a new coach. But now Jimbo Fisher and A&M, I give A&M two years. So in general, I think it's about two to three years before we start seeing Bama slip. Okay. Yeah. That's how I see it. All right. I think we're good on that. I'll turn it over to you, Jesse, for rapid fire news rapid real quick. Rapid fire news. All right. Start local. The Red Sox had a good week. Had a really good week. They went six and one since we were last I year. I thought the season was over, guys. Yeah. Now, I mean, four game sweep over Seattle. We'll talk about the Red Sox in a little bit. And we will. We can also like it's one week. We should also slow our roll with the hype. No, but I like, know. it wasn't as bad as we thought. Six and one this week. <clears throat> two and one versus the Astros. I'm I mean, just saying that. I'm what I'm saying is there was time. <clears throat> yes. I mean, that's the thing about baseball. Unless it's like after the trade deadline, there's pretty much always time. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, two and one against the Astros. Pavetta pitched a shutout. Game shutout. No, no, it wasn't. It was a one. Yeah, gave up one run in the first inning. Yeah, uh, in that game, uh, but still good for Pavetta. Pavetta, and then a four-game sweep of the Mariners this weekend, capped off by a Frenchie Cordero walk-off grand slam. Yes, I was there for that. Oh, oh that was and, so fun. And you didn't come see me. I well, listen. You know the story. My, <laughs> no, my, I know. Uh, my boy, who's been on the show actually, Corral, uh, down from Nola, was here and. Uh, Flight got delayed, all that. We, we were a little late getting going, so we didn't actually show up to Fenway until, like, the fifth inning. Mm. Yeah, and by that time, I was I packed it in. Yeah, you were, <laughs> you were, you were done. Uh, but also, more local. The Celtics are down one game to two in their series to the Heat. They dropped game three on Friday, excuse me, Saturday night. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, the Warriors, on the verge of a sweep with the Mavericks, up three games to none. Uh, they play tomorrow night where they go for the sweep in Dallas. This is so funny. I, it's just all the – I feel like it wasn't long ago Memphis uh, Memphis put a beating on Golden State, and all I could hear was, oh, Golden State might be in trouble. Oh, they're vulnerable. Oh, oh, oh. Even though Steph and Draymond were, like, singing songs and hyping the crowd out as they were down 40 because they knew that they would be just <laughs> fine. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so they had, they pretty much have their finals trip in the bag almost. It seems that, yeah. 
Uh, speaking of 3-0 series lead, the Tampa Bay Lightning are up 3-0 on the Panthers. Woo! Battle of Florida not going that great for Florida. Um, uh, more NHL news. Avalanche are up two games to one on the Blues. They play tonight. Uh, Hurricanes up two <coughs> games to one on the Rangers. They play tomorrow night in New York. And then in the Battle of Alberta. Oilers, surprisingly, a little surprising, up two games to one against the Flames. That is an incredible series. If you're not watching, I recommend it, um, even though I want both teams to lose. And then finally, to wrap up rapid-fire news, uh, some football news, Aaron Rodgers, for the second straight year, is not attending voluntary workouts. He's choosing to just live his best life uh, and not really care that much. Yeah, and, you know, there are plenty of quarterbacks who don't do that. I will, But the reason why I think this one matters is because you just took 40-something million dollars. You've lost your best wideout in Devontae Adams. That's going to be a whole different and new wide receiver room that you really don't have a ton of connection with or chemistry with, and you probably should be at the OTAs. And I don't think Green Bay is very happy about this. Uh, yeah, but what can they do? They can't they, do they anything. They have sold their soul. They have. Can't and do anything about it. But To be honest, I mean, I feel like we both feel this way. Aaron Rodgers is mostly playing at this point for the paycheck. Yes. Um, and less so about this is why the I don't, ring. And listen, I have it already locked in money-wise. The Vikings are winning that division. Okay. All right. It's a good payout if they do. All right. <laughs> What's the... the... Uh, I got it at plus 285. How would you put in? I will not disclose that. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's fine. I get it. All right. And that has been not so rapid fire news. <laughs> All right. And with that, it is time to move on to the biggest story in Boston sports right now, and that is the Boston Celtics. The Celtics, after whipping Miami in game two, in the first game in Boston, not, a, not, not as good as a showing. They came back and made it a game at least, but they end up dropping it 109-2-103. So despite how great they looked in game two, it's right now Miami who has the advantage in the series, Jason Tatum had plenty of good games, but not uh, in that one. He had just 10 points. Jalen Brown read the way with 40 points. Marcus Smart, 16. And Al Horford dropped 20. Um, I mean, as you could expect, you know, it was, uh, it was, I mean, it was actually mostly Bam Adebayo who, who did a lot of the stuff. Well, Jimmy Butler left that game. Yes, he did. And yet they still won. P.J. Tucker had 17 and Adebayo had 31. So, I don't know how much this changes my opinion of how this series is going to go. I still think, yes, Bam Adebayo finally had a big game and went off with 31 points. Adebayo is a good player, but like he doesn't. That's not a normal night for Bam. For Bam, it's still mostly the Jimmy Butler show offensively. I think Miami kind of got hot. Celtics really didn't play well, uh, especially in the first half. Um, they were pretty much actually. To be honest, it was mostly first quarter. It was mostly first quarter. Well, no, Boston outscored them in the first quarter. No. Oh, no, I'm looking at the wrong one. I was like, wait Flip a minute. It. I was just saying, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. I was like, that's not how, <laughs> I, not how I went. Yeah, it was the first quarter in which they were outscored 40 to 18. And by the way, so this is my problem with the Celtics in general. As great, as skilled as they are, how great they are defensively, offensively, I think they can be really inconsistent. And this is the second quarter now in which Miami has just absolutely curb stomped them in a quarter. And it's been, like, too big of a hole that you can get out of. Yeah. Happened in first quarter this quarter. Game one, obviously, was the third quarter. 
So I think they can just lose their way sometimes offensively. I call them the third best offensive team left in this uh, playoffs thing. They might be tied with Miami offensively, honestly, even though Miami is mostly one guy. It's just uh, Boston is probably still a better defensive team than Miami. But I'm worried about this Celtics offense. I still think it's enough that they're going to win this series against Miami. But, man, I already bet on Golden State to win the whole thing. Even though the odds aren't as good now, I, I might just still throw throw a little more money in there now because I really think Golden State is beating whoever comes out of the East. And I don't kind of handily. Mm. I mean, actually, I've... I don't remember exactly what I said last week mm-hmm. about who was going to win the series, but I was, I'm was i pretty sure I was leaning Celtics. I, I really am talking about jumping off that hype train with Milwaukee. I'm jumping off again. Oh, are you really? Yeah, because you got out. You were at a 26-point deficit. And, yes, you made it a game. You even got in within one point within the last couple minutes of that game. But, like, you made that big comeback when they didn't have Jimmy Butler. And one of the big reasons why you actually did beat the Bucs, which we didn't really have a lot of hope for them to beat the Bucs, but, like, uh, they did, was Al Horford. Mm-hmm. And Al Horford hasn't done much of anything in this series. He had 20 points last night. Oh, did he? Yeah. You mean two nights ago? Two nights ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be honest, like... I, I felt like a quieter <clears throat> 20 points, I know. Yeah, and a lot of that was because, I mean, I, as I worked the game, so many people were complaining about... Jason Tatum. Yeah. And, like, you're right. Like, he was kind of due for a bad game. But, like, that's your star. How many times in those championship runs, I mean, just getting to the finals at least, did LeBron ever really have a bad game where he got just nine points? And I'm not saying he's not the physical force that LeBron is. He doesn't have the talent of LeBron. He's not the shooter that – the scorer that LeBron is. But, like, that's your guy. Mm -hmm. You can't really – especially this late in the playoffs – you're not going to survive a game where Jason Tatum does that. And if he does that again, like, now you're in real trouble. Yeah. Do I expect a bounce-back game from him? Because he, he was, especially last series, like, he had a bad game or two in last series, and he always had a good ba- bounce-back game the next one. So, um, and this series has so far kind of gone the same way the last one did. Uh, you're down 2-1 to the Bucks. You're now down 2-1 to the Heat. But, like, I don't know. It's getting late. People are getting roughed up a little bit. Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum both left that game. So, now we'll see if Jimmy Butler, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to play tonight. Yes. Um, so. But here's my thing on why I, I find it odd that you're jumping off the train now. Yes, they still won that game. <clears throat> Miami definitely, they, I feel like definitely felt like they had to win that game, though, after how bad they got beaten game two. If Butler's not 100% remaining in this series, can Miami survive that? Maybe not. Um, but, like, I, I, like I said, I think most of that comeback was just because Jimmy Butler wasn't playing. Mm-hmm. And you then couldn't stop Bam out of Bayou. Mm. So, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of hope. Now, maybe you still should based on you have more depth than them. You're a better defensive team than them, at least in theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, last game was not mm-hmm. a good defensive game at all, mm-hmm. especially in that first half. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know if Jimmy Butler plays, even if he's not at 100%. Like, he, he's their guy, and I don't know. Like, he, you couldn't stop Giannis, and he's a much a much more physical force, mm-hmm. bigger guy. Like, he's, he's truly an unstoppable force. And Jimmy Butler is not that, but, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, man. 
right. I, I, no, I see. I get you. And I, their offensive inconsistencies worry me. It's just when I've watched these games, I do feel like more the Celtics have beaten themselves more than Miami is beating them. A little bit, yeah. Especially that last game. I think they had like 14 turnovers yeah. in the first half. Like every time Boston is going off the rails, it's dumb turnovers and stuff like that. So I, I still feel like Boston is largely beating themselves. Miami is not beating them. So I still, I'm still riding with the Celtics in this. But it has dramatically changed my, not that I thought they were winning a title anyway, but it has really changed my opinion about just how they can even match up uh, in the finals if they face the Warriors. Mm, okay. I mean, I said this to you a little earlier that, like, if the Celtics are going to make the finals, you kind of hope that the Golden State Warriors win game four and get the sweep. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can sit and get a little rusty. That's your best case scenario um, <clears throat> at this point if you're going to go to the finals. But, like, I don't know. The, the Celtics are just so, like you said, inconsistent on offense and, like, seemingly dramatic in the way they do it. Like, oh, Mar- I, Marcus like, Smart like, like loves not, to, like loves to just... flop. Yeah, and throw himself like because they took the ball away from him and tried to like draw a foul or something, and it's like, bro, you just tossed yourself twenty feet. Well, it's not the problem is is when they when they go bad on offense, it's not just they're missing shots, uh, they're turning the ball over. Yeah. So you're not only not getting points for yourself, you're basically handing your opponent points. Yes. So it it, it is dramatic, in dramatic fashion when this offense isn't working. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 ugly basketball. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, I said Celtics in six. Um, at this point, it's probably going to seven. Um, but tonight's a must-win for Boston, hundred yeah. percent. I mean, you can't drop two games in Boston. Well, yeah, even even more than Game Four was a must-win in the last series because you are you are now you are home mm-hmm. as opposed to being away in Game Four. I know the series was still two uh, two one bucks back then, also. But yeah, you are the home team now. They are the higher seed than you, so they have home field home court advantage. Yes. So this is much more of a must win in yeah. this series. If they don't if they don't win tonight, then Miami's probably winning the series. I'll be honest, because I mean, then you got to go, you got to go back to Miami. You get one more in Boston before Game Seven to be in Miami. And the Heat haven't lost a game at home yet in this whole playoffs. Well, they lost game two. Oh, yeah, they did lose game two. Before, <laughs> that, before game two, they yeah. haven't lost one at home yet. Yeah. So, must must win tonight. Uh, Tyler, our hero, looks like he's going to be out, though, for Miami as well. So, I really I like know. the Celtics' odds tonight. I'm wondering what the line is, just because I'm interested. I mean, throughout this playoffs. I mean, Minus seven. Okay, Vegas, calm down. <laughs> that's that's. I don't feel that <clears throat> confident. I'll have that line at like five and a half. Well, I mean, maybe you know, I'm not that confident, but like, you know, the Brooklyn series doesn't really count. But like every time they got punched in the mouth by the Bucs, they did come back and have mm. a very good game. So they do have they, they're they're a very good bounce back team. The problem is they can't bounce back and then keep that momentum going into the next game. Oh, yeah. They seem flat in this game. They really did. But all right. Final final predictions. Miami in six or Miami in seven? <laughs> Not even the Celtics. Well, no, uh, you said you said you were off the bandwagon. Yeah. Um, I think the Celtics will probably win tonight. So I think, yeah, I'll go Miami in seven. Okay. Because, honestly, I don't want to work the Celtics game next Friday night, but I'm sure I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Man. 
man, it's hard for me to see them winning a game seven in Miami, though. Miami in seven? No, because I still go with Boston. Uh-huh. Miami doesn't win another game for the series. Boston three straight. Wow. Celtics Celtics in six still. Will you then go back on the hype train of maybe we can beat the Warriors if they do that? No. Well, what if they what if okay, they whoop ass wait, listen, three games? If they beat them by like 15 plus points a game for three straight games, maybe I'll change my tune. Mm. But if it's but if it's heroes banged up, the depth is coming a question, Butler is either banged up or just exhausted by this point because he has to do anything, then no. No, mm. I will still say the same thing. Okay. But okay. I just I can't bring myself to say Miami's winning the series because when I watch them, I still don't think Miami is the better team. Mm. You know what I mean? I guess. So it's hard. It's hard. But at the same time, like I said, if, if they have to play a game seven in Miami, like, <laughs> I don't know if they're winning that. But Miami's more... Sound. Um, well, like they don't. O- they don't older. turn over. They're older. Okay. They're they, more experienced. Hundred percent. They're more safer. As much as we all love Tatum and all this kind of stuff, we got to give him some break sometime. He's still only twenty-five. I think he's twenty-four. Twenty-four. Thank you. I mean, if he's in his prime, because yeah, this is his fifth season, he if started he's in nineteen. If he's in his prime, he's just entered his prime. Well, then Jalen Brown's twenty. I think he's twenty-five. Marcus Smart's only like twenty-seven. Marcus Smart's older. I expect well, he's not, better from Smart. He's not that much older. No, he's not that much older, but still. All right. Anyway, though, I think I think we're good on this. Let's let's shift gears here. All right. The Boston Red Sox. Mm. So the Red Sox <laughs> finish a four-game sweep over the Seattle Mariners last week. Last week, I said, guys, do not give up on the Sox yet. This next three weeks, they have a bunch of series against sub-500 teams. And if they can make a run here, that means they can get themselves back into it. So I said, what did I say by June 5th is where you can panic? I think it was June 4th or June 5th. I said. You said it was early June. Yeah. But I gave it an exact date because it was when that run is over. Well, now the, so- uh, now the Sox find themselves just three games under 500 at 19 and 22. Ten games out of first place from the Yankees. The Yankees have lost two straight now um, after the start that they had. And they now face the White Sox, who are a team above 500. But this is a White Sox team that is struggling offensively. And now the Sox have hit their stride offensively. Then you got that five against the Orioles, two against Cincinnati, and three against Oakland. It was after Oakland that I said it. So June 5th is the date that I gave. So I think the Sox are in a prime position here to make this run. We knew. Here's the thing. Now it's. Well, which one is the real Sox team? Is it this team or this team that we saw for three, four weeks uh, before this? And the answer to me is it's closer to this team that you are seeing now. We always knew that this offense was going to hit. There's too many guys with too good of track records that the offense was going to stay this bad. Do I worry about sometimes how bad the lineup does fall off at the end? Yes. Am I worried that Bobby Dahlbeck isn't hitting? And looks like he's regressed to what we saw most of the year last year, not the end of the year. Yes. But between Devers, Bogart, Story, and Martinez, I expect this offense to hit. Kike is still having a tough season. I expect him to do a little bit better. Not that he's a sensational offensive player. I thought he was a little bit better last year than what he probably is historically. Um, but between those guys, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think you, can, you can say safely that they're going to hit. Um, especially since some of them can be very streaky and it looks like they're getting hot now because Trevor was the story for all this weekend against Seattle. Uh Yeah, you saw what I did there? (laughs) 
So yeah. it's stories getting hot now. So this offense, this Red Sox offense is going to get going. I expect them to out hit the White Sox in this series, continue the hot streak, take two or three from them. Then you get that five against Baltimore, two against Cincy and three against Oakland. I think they're going to keep the good momentum going. They might find themselves in third place by the end of this streak. Hmm. All right. Now, I, I you, when you say, like, what is the, nor- the real Red Sox team? Is it this team we saw this past week, or is it the one we saw for the first couple weeks? Well, I said this one's closer to what? Yeah. And I, I will probably agree with that um, because, like, there's no way that offense could be that bad the whole season, especially when you have players like Devers, Bogarts, Martinez, Verdugo. Um, I mean, yeah, Trevor Story has picked up a little bit. But, like, we need a really slower roll in this Trevor Story fella because he's still a 226 hitter right now. Oh. And, like, I know he was historically terrible for those first couple weeks. But, like, he five home runs in four games. Uh, I think it was 15 RBIs. He's now up to 29. That's over half his RBIs yeah. at this point. Like, don't ever expect that out of a player. No. It's nice to happen. Maybe it'll only happen again over a weekend um, later in the season. But he can get – but when he gets hot, he gets really hot. He can. Like, I think they're going to be able to ride Trevor Story's bad now for another week or two. Yeah, and, and, and another reason why we said to slow your roll about, like, trashing this team is because this team this team made it to the ALCS last year. Mm-hmm. Do I expect that again? No, absolutely not, especially how much better your division uh, got. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it depends on what team you're talking about. Yankees and uh, Blue Jays, yes. Rays, maybe not. Blue Jays have been scuffling a bit, but I'm sure they'll hit their stride. Yeah, like... I mean, was it Chapman's not doing what he normally does? Like, I expect him to hit. And Hernandez was hurt. Sure. Yeah. Um, like, I, yeah, I very much expect them to be there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but, like, I also don't expect this starting pitching staff to continue this this pace. That that That's fair. Pavetta, Pavetta has been incredible his last four starts. He was awful his first four, though, five. Yes. And, like. There's a middle ground here that Pavetta will probably settle into, mm-hmm. which, like, I like Pavetta. I like him as your five. The problem is he's not your five. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't expect Michael Walker to keep this up. Um, Rich Hill has been really good his last couple starts. You've complained that, like, let him go a little longer. But, like, I don't expect him to be this consistently good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that's the reason why they are pulling him early. But, like, also, the bullpen has been good the last week. We have no faith in this bullpen. No, I have none. None whatsoever. No, no, no. So I agree with you that what we saw this last week is closer to the Red Sox that we should see. Mm-hmm. But this is not. This is also not the real Red Sox. No. You know, can, can I say one thing? There is something that is concerning me right now. His ERA is not bad. It's not like he's been bad. Um, he had 11 punch-outs yesterday. Eovaldi is giving up a lot of home runs, though. Yeah. Like, a lot. Well, that I mean, he's the, given up 15 home runs in 48 innings. That is the danger of power pitching. Like, you know, if you miss your spot, like, they can just stick the bat head out there, and if they make contact, it's going to go far. Mm. Um, I want to know if, I want to know, and that's, and that's when the weather hasn't even been that nice. I want to know if that's just a weird statistical thing that can happen in baseball, or if you're worried about this trend going forward. Is he hanging more breaking balls than usual? Like, I, that's that's just that's a lot of home runs. That's as many as he gave up last year. Is it actually? Yes. Oh man. All right. Uh, I mean, I am a little concerned because it is like there's just so many. Um, but like, I, I have faith in Evaldi. I like Evaldi, and like, despite the fact that he has given up most of the home runs, 
He's really just his problem is the deep ball right now. Mm-hmm. If he can cut down that a little bit, like he's he'll be great. Yeah, I know. He'll, I'm, listen, he's about 15 home runs and his ERA is still 4.110. Yeah, and it's mostly just because he had one really disastrous mm-hmm. start a couple of weeks ago. Yes. So before that, his ERA was like mid to low threes. I mean, I am a little concerned, but like, I mean, he had a great game yesterday. Yes, um, he did. So I, I'm not that concerned about Ivaldi. Like, you know. Just cut down on the deep balls, um, so I, it might be just a little, you gotta just be a little better about your placement. Maybe he is hanging too many breaking balls. Just get a little more fine with that. Um, but I don't expect this trend to continue at this pace. Mm-hmm. Like that is a torrid pace. That really is a torrid pace. Um, so and yeah, I mean, here's the thing: I don't expect anyone to in the starting pitching staff to continue what they're doing. Okay, Waka is gonna come back down to earth. Pavetta is going to come way back down to earth. Well, what was, I think Ivaldi will clean it up with the long balls. What, what was Walker's numbers last year, though? I, I mean, didn't he have pretty good numbers last year? I mean, he's, here's the thing. I like Michael Walker. He's been a pretty good pitcher for the most part his whole career. I mean, he's got a career array of 407. That's pretty good. Um, but, like, he, he's shown that he can be a really good pitcher at times. Mm. But, like, I don't expect I don't expect his ERA to stay at 1.76. No. Um, and it, a whip of 1.01. Like that's these numbers are gonna go up. He's gonna take some L's. He's three and zero right now in six games. Um, but like I, I always liked Michael Walker. Mm-hmm. It's just like I, I when I complained about when you're getting plays like Michael Walker and Rich Hill. It's like well, actually no, he really wasn't that good last year. 5.05 ERA last year. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I don't like when I I complained about Michael Walker when they got him. It's just like. That's. I feel like you're being cheap. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't have mind getting him if you got something better on the other side, better than Rich Hill. Yes. Um, and I wouldn't complain really about Rich Hill if you got something better also than Michael Walker. Yeah. But you got you got you stuck with them, mm-hmm. and that's you win. A, you you played some Moneyball, and yeah. I don't like that. No, I no, I got you. I got you. But yes, <clears throat> Sox fans, you all bailed way too early. And like I said, I think this team is closer to what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. Um, than it was the last four weeks. In general, I agree with you. The starting rotation is due to regress. I think going into the year, though, we all felt like the Sox were going to win because they were going to out-hit people. Mm. You know what I mean? Did you oh. ever Did you ever think it wasn't going to come down to that? No, because, like, <laughs> um, I mean, even, like, last year. Like, do you think the pitching staff was better last year or this year? Bullpen was definitely better last year. No, bullpen was definitely better last year. Um so, and their 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 thing was they were not an offensive juggernaut, but they were they were good hitters, they were consistent hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, the offense was definitely the strong strong suit. I mean, your ace is Ivaldi. I love Ivaldi, but he's not he's not an ace on most teams. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a two to yeah. a to a really good three on an elite team. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah, and then you yeah you were cheap with. With Rich Hill and uh, Walker. Here's the thing. If you're a decent team, on most decent teams, fringe playoff, he's a two. Mm. On World Series contenders, he's usually a three. Mm. That's how I would classify you. Okay. And, like, there is, like, actually, when you went, when you went for JBJ over... Renfro, mm-hmm. like, obviously, I love JBJ's defense compared to Renfro's. But I'd rather have some instant offense than striking out. 
No, I I think I do think the way this lineup can fall off at the end eventually is going to be a huge problem for this team. Yeah, and we they, were hoping Bobby Dahlbeck to take maybe a little step forward, and, and he has not so far. No. It's worrisome to think that at some point Bobby Bobby could lose his job here at some point. Mm. I don't know who he would lose it to at the moment, but maybe Christian Arroyo. Maybe try to make him a first baseman. You could try that. Because I, I like Christian Arroyo. Do yeah. I like him as your everyday player? No, no. but he's a, he's a great guy to have on your bench. I feel. No, he is. He is. <clears throat> yeah, the way this lineup falls off badly at the end, I do think could be one of the undoings of this team. I never liked that they brought in JBJ. But, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. That is it on the Sox talk. We're going to get a quick break. Then we'll be back. NFL schedules came out a few weeks ago. We're going to go over the Pats schedule right now. Vegas has them at eight and a half wins. We're going to comb through the schedule and see what we think. Stick with us, guys. Quick break. recently you know off season and whatnot but the schedules were released we thought about maybe talking about it last week we let it percolate for a little bit we let ourselves think about it for a little bit and me and dom are in two different directions we are do i think they will be really good and win the division next year no but i'm not even when i we talked about the draft i am not as uh down on this team as everyone else seems to be do i think like i said do i think you're going to win the division no do I think you're really even going to compete with the division? Uh, no, probably not. Uh, I think this will have maybe even be a little a learning curve year uh, with a lot, a couple of young players coming in, a couple of young pieces, um, and you know maybe that sophomore slump for Mac Jones. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what the, with the pieces they brought in. We like a couple, like Devontae Adams, but Parker. Oh yeah, Devontae Adams. <laughs> I would love if we had Devontae. Adams. Devontae Parker. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and like, but we still have a lot of questions about that defense. Uh, so, looking at the schedule now, I'm not going to go game by game. Oh, I'm going to go game by game. Oh, I'm not going to yet. But okay. like, I am a little more optimistic. I like them against the Dolphins because it's no longer Brian Flores. Uh, I like them more against the Steelers than you do because of the quarterback situation. Now, obviously, that's still a pretty well built team through and through. But there's a lot of questions about who's it going to be. You think it'll be Trubisky at the time? I. Probably will lean that way, too, because I'm not the type of person that likes throwing rookie quarterbacks to the Wolves. Let them sit for a couple games. Let them watch. Um, but I, 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 especially the middle of the schedule, I really like it. You don't like the Vikings game. I like the Vikings game. Uh, I like them against the Dolphins for the most part. I will see about the Raiders game later in the season because uh, I have there's so many questions about Josh McDaniels, can he do it now? Do I have more faith in him now because he's probably learned something? Yeah, but I don't, I, I'm not that hyped about the Raiders. Better than last year, 
still not that hype about them. So I, I, I'm not that concerned that this is going to be a terrible team. Or you just got to tank for that draft pick. No, like you'll you'll compete for a little while. You'll probably fall off at the end of the season, especially when you start playing the Bills and like the Colts and maybe the Bengals. You kind of like them against the Bengals because they're home, yes. and you never have faith in the Bengals. Um, well, but- listen, when we go through these schedules, listen, you have to bake in there's going to be one team you think that they shouldn't beat that they'll upset. Sure. When you go over team schedules, you got to bake one of those in. Yeah. But you also usually have to bake in a surprise loss. True. True. So Now, Vegas, what is it, eight and a half? Eight and a half is the line that Vegas has. Which I think is the lowest... I think it was the that was the lowest they've had since two thousand two. Yes, it is. They had nine last year with the line. Mm. So and like I'm also that person. Like it's way too early to really predict that. No, so I know. much is going to happen for me now and then. Now, but here's to me: if they're gonna if they're gonna compete in this division, and they're gonna go over that Vegas line total, right? To me, it means that Mike McDaniel just has to be incompetent as a coach for Miami. Because Miami's a better roster. And it, I'm the biggest Tua critic in the world. I don't like Tua. I don't believe in Tua at all. But they have built a fortress now. Yeah, but that defense is not going to be as good. Around Tua to play with. Yeah, but the, the league's leaning offensive anyway. Mm. They have the ability to just run the Pats defense off the field with the weapons that they have there. Uh, to me, to me, if McDaniel can coach even a little bit, they're better than the Pats. Mm. I mean, I don't really care that much that they brought in Tyreek Hill. Got to do a lot of slants there. It's to go with Jalen. Well, listen, you know my issues. I'm not saying Miami's a playoff team. I don't even think – I think they'll regret the Hill trade. I don't think Hill's going to have amazing numbers. But, like, it still makes them a better team than they were last year, at least on paper for weapons. And it makes them, to me, better than the Pats. Mm. Unless McDaniel can't coach. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you like – Everyone in and around Shanahan and um, the other one there, McVay. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And, like, you know, I, I feel like all rookie coaches are – you need to come with a lot of questions. No, I agree. I agree. All right. Well, th- well, this is why I have them splitting with the Dolphins, but I have them winning the first game, even though it's in Miami. Just because first game for McDaniel – New, oh, okay. new offensive system, new thing like that. I, I don't think – I think the Pats will take that game even though it's in Miami. Then the Steelers, it's in Pittsburgh. Like that defense, fully healthy. I think they could work the Pats' offense, O-line, and really get after Mac, who's not mobile or be able to get away. I mean, we've seen the Steelers' pass rush overwhelm teams multiple times within the last two years. I think that could be a case that we see in that Pats game. Total faith in Cole Strange. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> then home against the Baltimore, I have them losing that. Then they have to be at Green Bay. I have them losing that. That puts them at one and three. Home against Detroit, I have them winning that. They have to play at Cleveland, but I will give them a win here because I don't think Watson will be back. And even if Watson is back... I think he would have just gotten back. And like I said, you have to bake in a win that maybe they shouldn't get and one that they think they should. So that puts them at three and three. No, four and three. Four and three after the Browns game. Then you get the Bears at home. Come on. The Bears might be one of the worst teams in football. It's going to be bad. <laughs> Five and three. Home uh, at the Jets, six and three. And then 
the Colts, come on. I know it's in New England, but with Matt Ryan now, no, that's six and five. You beat the Jets, that's seven. And then after the, after the second Jets game, I don't have them winning another game. In Minnesota, no, I'm sorry. In Minnesota, plenty of time there with the new coach, the new offensive system that they should be humming. Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, the weapons will just run through the Pats defense. You think and Dalvin Cook will be healthy? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But Kirk Cousins is a competent quarterback. You're not going to confuse him like he's some young quarterback. They're not winning that game in Minnesota. Minnesota will be locked in a playoff race at that point. It's not happening. Home against the Bills, no. At Arizona, sorry, no. At Las Vegas, no. I have a question for you then. Okay. And this might come up later depending on how much time we have. Okay. All right, if Kyler Murray doesn't play this season at all, does that change your opinion on that Cardinals game? Oh, 100%, yes. Okay. But, like, I don't think any quarterback can really go that nuclear. Okay. I, I just don't see it. Um, at Las Vegas, Bill's assistants beat him for some reason. And you have McDaniels, who's been there forever, a better roster, and an experienced, better quarterback. No, they're not winning in Las Vegas. I don't see it. Um, then I have them beating the Bengals. Okay, I do have them beating Cincinnati because it's in New England, and you got to bake in that one. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I'm going to be weird. Miami in New England. I'm going Miami. I think they always split with Miami, and it just makes more sense to me that they win the first game because it's a new coach, a new system. But they lose the second. They finish the year with the Bills. Here's 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 the thing. And this is going to make everyone really mad. It's going to make me super mad if they have eight wins and they go into this Buffalo game and Buffalo has the division locked up and doesn't play anybody. Because then they could, this last Bill game, they could split with the Bills just because the Bills don't give a crap by this last game of the season. Uh, I guess. I suppose. That could be true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rest so, in the starters and whatnot. So when I go through this, I have them at one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven. I've had seven wins. Hmm. Seven wins with the possible eight coming to Buffalo if Buffalo has everything locked up and sits everyone the last game. Okay. What are you doing? You go. Th- you go through that. Oh, uh, you're gonna make me count. Yeah, I am. All right. One. Week one in Miami. Where are we going? I have. I have the in the first three games. I have the Patriots starting two and one, including oh. a two and zero. Oh. I think they're beating Pittsburgh. Why do you think they're beating Pittsburgh? Because I have no faith in either of those quarterbacks. Oh, my gosh. But Pittsburgh is a better defense. Yeah. All right. Like, it'll be a low-scoring game. Like in I, Pittsburgh. Zero faith in Mitch Trubisky. In Pittsburgh. So? Okay. I, I have no faith in Mitch Trubisky. Okay. And, like, I think, yes, he'll be the starter week two. But do you have them losing in Miami or winning in Miami? Winning. Okay, so, so they're 2-0. Two, two and oh. And then they're going to lose. probably lose to the Ravens. Okay. If they're, you know, devastated by injuries, maybe not. But, like, that's, that's a – you can't really bet on that because no. you never know. Um, so you have them at two and one. Then they go to Green Bay. I'm sure you don't have them winning that one. I don't, but I'm not that. Like, we'll see how that. We'll see how motivated Aaron Rodgers is. We'll see how this uh, offense runs without a Devonte Adams. Yeah. Um, but like I, I you probably, you're probably losing to the Packers. So two and two. Then I'm sure you have them beating the Lions. Yes. Three and two. In Cleveland, what do you have it? Now. Do I know if Deshaun's going to play? No, but I Bills had a pretty good time playing against Deshaun. Mm-hmm. And he's a little older now, hopefully a little more mature. But he also hasn't played in an entire year. So 
there might still be rust on that game even if he does play. Now that's week was that week six? Yeah. One, two, three, five. Excuse me, week five. So you know some of that rust should be coming off by then. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Patriots. So you have a third one, two four and two. Four no, and two. Four and two. No, that doesn't make any sense. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, it is week six, idiot. So yeah, four and two. Yep. Then they're beating the Bears. Five and two. Yep. They're beating the Jets. Six and two. Two. They're probably losing to the Colts. All right. Um six, six and three. three. Seven and three. They're they're sweeping the Jets again. Eight and three, because I think they're beating the Vikings. You th- why do you think in Minnesota they're beating the Vikings? I don't have faith in the Vikings. Oh my gosh. Like I you know, again. Hard to bet on injuries. Dalvin Cook is very inconsistent with his health. Uh, they have a new coach. I don't have a lot of faith in Kirk Cousins. Can he be your average quarterback? Can he even sometimes be a really good quarterback? Yes, but it's always against bad teams. And I don't think the Patriots are going to be a bad team. So I've lost count. You're at six wins. All right. Was that you, have him, you have him. Oh, wait, no. You have him beating Miami, too, right? Yeah. For the first one. So you have one, two. So seven and three? Three. Four, five, six, seven. No, wait. I, no. Bro, you haven't had a lot of wins. Holy crap. One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six, seven. You have eight wins after Minnesota. Okay. After they beat Minnesota, well, you haven't had eight wins. Here's the thing about that, though. You're losing to the Bills, eight and four. Yeah. Oh, oh I hit a button. Go back. Go back. Uh, I assume Kyler Murray is going to play, so I think you're losing that game. Yeah, eight and five. The Raiders one, I really go back and forth. I know. Here's the kicker. Here, there's 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 a there's a bunch of significant games that could really flip what happens. This is one of them. Yes. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with an L with this one right now. Okay. So that's now eight and six. I think you're losing to the Bengals. Eight and seven. I think you're beating Miami again. Nine and seven, and then I think you're losing to the Billigas again. So I think you're going nine and eight. Okay, you have one nine and eight, but possibly ten and eight because I mean ten and seven um, because we don't know. There's a very good chance Buffalo doesn't care about that game. Sure. Like, yes. Oh, yes. There, there is an excellent chance Buffalo doesn't give a crap about that game. Yes, and also that second Miami game, I am a little back and forth also okay. because you do you are for some reason so bad at least one game a year against Miami. They love splitting the series against Miami, even though they lost both games last year against Miami. Um, so I, I have them in the 500 range, but yeah, 8 and 9, 9 and 8, maybe 10 and 7 Okay, if I'm going to be really optimistic. So I'm guessing, do you have them finishing second above Miami then too? Yeah, especially if you beat them both times. Yeah, so okay. Because I, I just, I, there's I so just, many questions with Miami. I don't see it, man. I, I don't know why you think they're going to be able to defend the Vikings and their weapons. Um, listen, if you go offensive with coaching, even if we don't think the guy's an elite coach, we've seen that it's an offensive-based weapons quarterback league. Minnesota, A-plus weapons. I mean— B quarterback. And B. I'll put him at C. B. Nah. B. No. B. No. B minus. C plus. <laughs> no. He's better than that. No. Well, here's the thing also about that. Jefferson. Uh, uh, how about, wait, 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 wait. How about this? C plus quarterback, but now he gets an offensive coach who will elevate him. Possibly, yeah. Because he's had a defensive coach now for three years. There's not, his best year was with the offensive coaches in Washington. Okay, sure. So. Yeah. But also, like, Jefferson is a great wideout. Great. 
Dalvin Cook is a great running back when he is healthy. Mm. Thielen? He's a really good number two wide receiver. Very inconsistent, though. He can, he, he can disappear. He can. And then other than that, like those are three, you know, I would love those three guys over Parker, um, Harris. Well, I like and, da- well, I like Dalvin Cook's backup. Oh, what's his name? Alexander Madison. Yeah. He's, he's pretty, pretty good. He's too. pretty good, yeah. He's pretty good, too. Sure. I will say that, yeah. I don't think there's a huge drop-off in the running back position. And I do think at some point, I think maybe even after this year, if I was the Vikings, I would look to trade Dalvin Cook. Mm. Get your value for him now and then hand it over to Madison because I don't think there's a massive drop-off. Okay. I, I guess, but, like, I can't think of any other weapons other than those guys. I know, but that's three really that's, good ones. No, that is very high, but then it's... I know. I don't know. I, I don't even I, know. I know. I get you. Rudolph isn't still there, is he? The tight end? No, but he sucks anyway. No, he's on the Giants. Oh, but yeah, he's sucked right. for years. Yeah, that's true. And I get it. He's old, but... Um, you have Vegas as a loss as of right now. I think that's definitely a loss. All right. Yeah, you got him nine, nine or ten. I got him. I got him at. I really got him at seven. Mm. And to me, that's because I gifted them the Cincinnati one. Mm. In which case, I maybe I'm gonna change it and gift them the Bills one at the end of the season, assuming Buffalo doesn't care. Mm. So, and actually, to be honest, like I don't have that much faith in Miami. Jets are gonna suck. The Jets always suck. Um, and I don't see the Patriots really being that much of a competitor. So yeah, I think the Bills will probably. Phoned it in. Mm. Okay. Because I think, yeah, the Bills will probably run away with this division. All right. So, yeah. All right. That is it then, I think. I think we're good on this, even though we don't agree. And we'll go back and forth. I'm sure before the season we'll go over this again. But I, I just think I think you're giving them way too much credit, man. And Bill, I trust. Uh, why do you trust in Bill still so much? Because he's been the best for 20 years. I get it, but and here's the thing: his coaching last year, I actually think that was one of his best coaching it's seasons. It's not about him coaching; it's just about I know. you. You don't like the GM side of him anymore. I don't like the GM roster building and philosophy. When it comes to in-game coaching and stuff, he is the best. Okay, he's still the best, but no, <laughs> it's just not good enough. It's just it's it's the game has shifted, and it's a offensive weapons-based league. And you know what? Bill is now shifting. He is going to run the offense. All right. We'll see. All right. Moving on to one more football thing here. The what? San Francisco 40. I thought we were talking about Kyrie. Oh, I thought we were doing both. Oh, we can do both. That's, uh, no, that's fine. Let's do, let's, let's do both. Let's do both real quick. The San Francisco 49ers. I want to talk about this because it has been a rough, not horribly rough, but it has been a loud offseason for the 49ers. I love Kyle Shanahan. I love their defense. They still have plenty of great things. He gets production out of any running back. But I have serious doubts about the 49ers now coming into next year. You don't know who your quarterback is. And this Debo Samuel thinks, I don't like it when teams, when NFL teams get loud in an offseason. I think it always is not good for the upcoming season. Well, you, you, it we depends la- on the sound. Because the, the Broncos had a loud offseason. Yeah, but you mean, I mean dramatic loud. Yes. Drama in-house. Is Debo even going to play? Who's the quarterback? Which ruins every quarterback's confidence in the room. Garoppolo, if he does play, knows he's one or two mistakes away from, oh my gosh, I might get benched. Trey Lance, they don't really believe in me. Maybe I'm not that good. Starts doubting himself. I don't like it when teams do this. You needed to just make a decision and go with it already. And I bring this up because 
they're still heavily favored to finish second in the NFC West. And I don't think they will. This is one of the few things I would actually bet on right now. Um, and have bet on. Is, <laughs> <laughs> is I, I have the Cardinals finishing ahead of San Francisco. Mm. I can't think in that that when you have plenty of competent teams in your division, that when you're going to be this loud, especially around the most important position in sports, which is the quarterback position, that I think you're a serious, serious playoff contender or championship contender. I have been finishing third behind Arizona because despite how loud Arizona is, they still know who the quarterback is, who the most talented person is, and... It's the only loud thing. It's not like they're having a holdout or anything like that. I know Hopkins suspension. They brought in other wide receivers to help with that, though. I think they knew what was about to happen before it got released. I think Arizona's finishing in second place. Right now, the Vegas odds are San Francisco plus 190 to finish in second, plus 260 to finish in third. So, well, did they? Vegas ain't catching up with this yet, but. What is the Vegas, because the Patriots are eight and a half wins. What did they say for how what, many wins? Eight and a half. Oh, for San Francisco? Yes. Oh, I, I think it's nine. And they think they're going to take? Second place. With nine? I think they, they assume I think people are going to beat it. Maybe it's nine and a half. I'll go look. It's probably, um, now that I think about it, it's probably nine and a half. It's probably the line. Okay. I mean, all lines literally cover only around a few numbers. No, I know. Yeah. My guess, probably, if they're going to have them in second, you're probably right. Probably the line is nine and a half. But I can go look real quick if they have that. Because, like, you say, like, San Francisco has had a loud offseason. And they have. Very dramatic. But so has the Cardinals. Yeah, but it's only around one position, and I think we all know he's going to play. I mean, two. Hopkins. True. And, but like, that is – that's big. I know he'll come back uh, – was it six games? I was right. The line is nine and a half. San Francisco. Arizona is eight and a half. But as I said, to finish where they're finishing, what did I say? Plus 290. No, plus 260. It's plus 190 to finish in second place. So Vegas hasn't caught up on this yet. And I think that's why I bet it now because I really like it going forward. I know Kyler's still being dramatic. I don't, there's no part of me that doesn't think he's not going to play. Mm. What do you think? No, I mean, it, it, it. And you're not even a Shanahan fan. No, but like it really comes down. What San Francisco, where San Francisco finishes, really comes down to Arizona's quarterback, I Kyler know. Murray. I think we'll talk about it later. Yeah, probably. Uh, so I guess I think he will play. If, but if but Kyler plays. If he plays, I think, yes, Arizona will probably finish ahead of San Fran. Okay, you do think that. Because I really don't like their quarterback situation. I think Jimmy G did have a bit of a bounce back year this last yeah. year. Um, his health is always a concern, though. Um, he wasn't even 100% in the playoffs, so like he's almost guaranteed some injury somewhere, it seems. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't have faith in Trey Lance. Uh, I believe Debo when he says, I'm not going to play. I believe skill players when they say they're not going to play more than I believe quarterbacks. Yeah, you can't do that as a quarterback. It's such a terrible look. Unless you are talented like Deshaun Watson is talented. And at least like have a playoff win and stuff like that. I mean, Kyler's never done anything in the playoffs, and he's always gotten bad at the end of seasons. Yeah, and he's he was injury prone. 
I mean, yeah, Deshaun Watson is bigger, more athletic. He's had his he had his like knee problem early, but he seems to be fine now. Um, and like, is you know, the Arizona Cardinals can be a dramatic franchise, and they've been a bit of a mess for the past decade, but not as much as the Texans were. Mm-hmm. So I think more people were a little on Deshaun's side for sitting compared to other people historically. Mm. Now, should he probably have played? Yes. Now, there was that other, the legal stuff that came out, but that's not why he sat. He said, I'm not playing for this franchise again. Yeah. Um, so, but Kyler, I was, I don't get, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, I think the Cardinals will finish ahead of San Francisco. San Francisco. All right, cool. I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not crazy town that I think Vegas is way off on this. But, like, I don't have a lot of faith in the Cardinals either. I think they'll both be kind of middle of the road. Well, listen, we, we talked about this. Isn't it funny how fast things change in the NFL? Yeah. There's a reason that players joke about and say NFL stands for not for long. This was the best division in football a year ago. Now, other than the Rams, it feels like a bit of a hot mess. Yeah. We all know Seattle's a mess, and Arizona and San Francisco were both hot messes in a dramatic sort of way. So, yeah. San Francisco doesn't know who their quarterback is. Arizona crumbles at the end of seasons anyway, and they have a contract dispute with their quarterback. It's hilarious just how fast these things happen in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it makes the dynasty thing all the more crazy that the Pats were able to keep that going. But, I mean, you just I was gonna say, you, you know just blink in the entire landscape of, of a division or even a higher <laughs> conference can change. I mean, kind of felt like the NFC was better conference last year. Now it's definitely not the better conference. Well, that's, that's what's so... That's why stability is one of the biggest things. I think I think the NFL financial well franchise stability, not financial. Franchise stability is one is just so important. It is. Because that's why the NFL has some of the worst franchises. Yeah. Because it ownership matters in the NFL far more than any other sport in my opinion. Mm. I think you're I think you're 100% right right there. Yeah. If you were just a competent stable owner, you will have some success in the NFL. Yeah, but also, like, you know, a stable owner leads to uh, a stable GM. Stable GM leads to a stable coach. And with the Patriots, like, you know, Robert Kraft had his a couple of things here and there, like the, the, the massage parlor and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, what? But, like, that was never that big of a deal. That's not Jerry Jones levels of dr- drama. <clears throat> or certainly that's not Washington Redskins commander's level of drama. Yeah. But, like, there was never – any real drama going on at the Patriots until like, you know, there was a little of that Tom Brady drama. And anytime there was like the second Randy Moss got dramatic, he's out. Mm-hmm. Bill would not put up with that stuff. Robert Kraft would not put up with that stuff. That's, that's why the Patriots that didn't apply that, that not for long. That did not apply to Brady and the Patriots. No, it didn't. All right. All right, guys, we are getting ready to finish up in a few. We're going to take one last quick break. We're going to have a, Hockey segment there on a particular level. Our last two segments are actually about actual complete individuals. Mm-hmm. Some Kyrie stuff that's that's gotten interesting with Irving and his career now. So last quick break, guys.
here at Slow Your Roll, getting ready to finish things up. Some last couple of segments before we go to our normal ones. But guy, we've talked about quite a bit. We we chilled out because they you know they sucked and got bounced out of the playoffs pretty much right away. But Kyrie Irving, it's not often NBA stars take that much heat from any of their own players, GMs, or anything like that. You know, in general, you really got to kiss up to them because that's just the culture of the NBA. But Kyrie Irving has taken some lumps over the last two weeks. And you know what? This is this comes down to something that I said to Corral, my friend, when he was here. And it, it just popped in my head. But this is, this is what it is. Listen, you can't be this unlikable and a loser. If you're going to be this unlikable as Kyrie is, if you're going to be this difficult, you have to be a winner. There is no such thing as someone that we want to put up with who's unlikable and a loser. Can't do it. It can't, it can't be like that. You know what I mean? So, no. This is like, it's like the kid in class in high school that you always hated. Who was just like, you know, rich family, maybe always looked perfect and he succeeded at everything. Imagine that that kid was also a super cocky asshole. Now everyone <laughs> just hates him. It's those weird, it's, it's, a, it's a mix of two things that can't go together. Or else you're just going to be hated by everyone. At least if that kid was also nice, it'd be like, eh, you secretly hate him, but it's not as bad because you're like, at least he's a good person. There's a reason Kyrie is so unlikable. It's a mix of two things that you can't be. You can't be this unlikable and a loser. But he's turned into a loser now. He's not winning. At no point has he gotten the Nets really anywhere. They're bouncing the first round this year. And when talking about if they're going to actually extend him on a contract, Sean Marks, the GM of the Nets, had this to say that he essentially wants players that are going to be available and wants them to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Now, in the world of the NBA, it's not the NFL. We can't, they, they won't openly criticize guys the way that they do in the NFL. This is the equivalent in the NBA of Jim Irsay saying the Carson Wentz era was a mistake. It really is, because you're never allowed to publicly criticize the stars. Unless you're a member of the media, sometimes you can. But no one, if you cover the team, if you're part of the locker room, or if you're a GM or owner, you're never allowed to criticize the stars. This is literally the NBA equivalent of Jim Irsay being like, Carson Wentz was a mistake. Mm. That's what it comes down to. And I, don't, I think in general, I think the Nets will eventually not give Kyrie the contract. If they do, they're idiotic. And I honestly think that for the GM to say this, he probably had to get the okay from Kevin Durant. <laughs> That's really how the NBA works. I think he had to get the okay from Durant, and I think Durant gave him the green light. I hope you're wrong. I think it's true. Man. It's also funny, too, because then Nike, I've never seen them be this public about a deal thing. Nike came out and said they will not, they're probably not going to continue their shoe brand with Kyrie Irving as well. So Kyrie is Irving... Irving losing things on the court and off the court because, again, you can't be this unlikable and a loser. Mm. Doesn't work that way. Okay. And like, here's the thing. I really hope you're wrong about that Durant <laughs> thing because that is horrible. Um, but I hope this sets a precedent. I hope that GMs, owners, and coaches will start publicly calling out their players because NBA players, NBA stars – they do have way too much power. Yes. And it's ridiculous. And I think Kyrie, he's not the worst, most polarizing figure the NBA has ever seen. Probably not even close. Um, 
You think he's been the most polarizing maybe over the last five years? Recently, yes, he's definitely up there. He's made, He can even make Durant look good sometimes. Yeah. He can make him look like a model citizen. <clears throat> but, like, I think Kyrie also got away with it and people gave him a pass so long because he was working with LeBron. And, like, I think people know that that can be difficult at times. Mm-hmm. So people gave him a pass. But then he came to the Celtics and he – now he ruined that locker room. Mm-hmm. But I think people give him a pass for that because the players weren't the biggest fan of Brad Stevens as the coach. Mm-hmm. So I think people then gave him a pass for that. Now that he's making Durant look good, I think people are really like sick of this dude. Oh yeah, across the league, just absolutely sick of this guy. Sick of his antics. One day he's talking about his faith and his brothers and sisters around the world, and the next minute he's telling fans to. Suck his whatever, yeah. and giving the finger to the fans. It's like you are whatever you need to be in that moment. It seems you are, you you'll take it at any point you want, and it's it. And I'm so happy that this GM is sick of it. I I really hope you're wrong about the Durant thing because that that would be horrible, hilarious, but horrible. I I'd be willing to bet money on it. Really? Yes. Okay. I think that that's really how it works in the NBA. But like I, I want this I want this press and maybe I'll watch these players more if like they're called out and held accountable mm-hmm. because because yeah I think Kyrie has probably been the worst certainly this season probably even last season um, just especially as a Celtics fan like we saw it so firsthand and we know but I, like I said I think he got a pass just because of um, the players themselves weren't the biggest fan of Brad Stevens and that locker room was a little eh at the time so people were like oh it's just it's a locker room problem Kyrie should should probably get out of there. But like everyone can see it now, and how but you just... can't. But you can't alienate everyone and blow up a locker room three times in a row. Yes, third time it's like, oh, okay, this is what you are. Yeah, you are just the problem. Yeah, and he, he like even when he was on the Celtics, so I remember his first few games when he came over, they were not a good team. I think they even lost like the first couple games, and then he, a fan called him out. He told he told that fan also to suck his whatever. Um, and then they, they, they started to play well. So people are like, oh, that was hilarious. They've been good since then. Like, that's he's fine, whatever. So as Celt- And then as it, it all fell apart. So as Celtics fans, we saw it. But no one else has seen it on this level. He's doing it in the playoffs, on national TV. So now everyone is seeing it. Everyone is sick of it. At a, at a place that he was given all the power. Yeah. Yeah. So that is, that is, you know, really catered to him. Yeah. And yet he has still found a way. To be unhappy and blow it up. I don't think anyone think any place could make this man happy. I don't think so either. I, I truly think at this point, I think Kyrie's career is kind of done. Mm. Like not in no 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 not in the sense of listen, he will play somewhere else. But I meant as far as ever being in a championship. Like the Lakers even, won't pay him, the Celtics yeah, won't pay him. The... Like he he will never be on a team that is a serious championship contender again if okay. he if he leaves Brooklyn. Okay. All right. That's what I think. I, I think Irving has doomed his career now mm. with this latest, you know, antics now in the third place he's been to. I mean, he really is just like the definition of like a crazy person. Okay. I was going to say, like, he's one of the biggest crybabies I've ever seen in sports. But he's, I, I legitimately think he's kind of crazy because he <laughs> is, he, I mean, as you said, crazy people are people who think they are always the most sane. Yeah. He is that guy. Mm. You know what I mean? 
Like I've met plenty of people who are crazy and do crazy things, but they know that they're dysfunctional for whatever reasons gone on in their past. I don't know. The true crazies, the people I call that are the ones who always think that they are the sane ones in the room. Yeah. Everybody else around them is nuts. Yeah. He is that. Yeah, a little, a little bit. <laughs> and what actually what really sells me on that is like how, how, how the playoff series that he goes, oh, I'm going to go up being Durant. I'm going to manage the franchise up with the GM marks up in the office. Well, I was just going to say how, how different he changes day to day and how much his mood is affected by just the slightest little things. And like, yeah, like one day you are a faithful man, a man of God. And the next day you are a piece of crap, yeah. like an absolute dirt bag. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think it's I think the career trajectory is kind of over for Kyrie Irving. All right. With that, Jesse, take it over for another I don't know, controversial individual. What we call it. Not he, he, nearly uh, as polarizing. Uh, not but. nearly on the Kyrie Irving no. scale. But. No. Well, it's also like you can never like you, hockey just has more function around them. They're willing to call out their own players. Mm-hmm. So like you just you just don't get these polarizing figures that you do in the NBA. But my guy, Jordan Bennington, has stirred up a controversy again. So he's injured. He's probably done for the playoffs, especially if the Blues don't make the finals. It doesn't look like they're going to because just the avalanche is just that good. Uh, But Jordan Bennington, this guy has been probably maybe the most polarizing goaltender I've ever seen in my life. And goaltenders kind of have big personalities. But, like, this this dude is a prick. Not to say there isn't pricks around the NHL. You got the Evander Canes. You got the uh, Sean Avery was a huge one way back when. But even like he got injured because Nazem Kadri, who's also a player that I hate uh, because he's just a dirty prick himself. But he slid into the Jordan Bennington. He got injured. And then in his pro game press conference, Nazem Kadri was getting interviewed. A water bottle comes flying in out of nowhere. Just what? Where did this come from? Jordan Bennington threw a water bottle at him. What a bitch. What a little bitch. Like, I have never seen, I've seen dirty players that'll, like, turtle and hide behind their uh, teammates and run to the bench and hide behind the refs. But I've never seen a guy just constantly stir up things at times where you know you're not going to get your ass whooped. Like, because this is not this first incident. He's throwing water bottles after a game. There was a time it was the Sharks in between. The period ends. He's skating off the ice. He runs, goes by the bench, punches one player in the face. He then shoves his stick in the face of uh, Eric Carlson, who's never done a bad thing in his life. He's just skating by him and tried to, like, just throw his stick in his face. And then when the goaltender, Philip Grubauer, tried to confront him on it, he runs and, he runs and hides behind the ref. Like, this guy is constantly... And here's the thing. I like... Goalies that are aggressive. One of my favorite goalies, despite the fact that he was a Montreal Canadian, is Carey Price. And Carey Price is that guy who will push, punch, hit the guys that are trying to screen him in front of the net. But then they'll push him back, and he'll get in their face. He has dropped the gloves on more than one occasion, not even with another goaltender. Um, He got wrecked one time, and then his players came to his defense. He's then pushing his own players out of the way, saying, I got this. Don't touch me. Jordan Bennington, not that guy. Total bitch, total whiner. He's also that guy. He's gonna complain to the media, cry about this guy, what this guy did, what that guy did, what this person said. Shut up, bro. Like I, I, I really hate polarizing figures in sports in general. I get it. You're gonna get it sometimes. Sometimes it's even really entertaining. But like hockey is so not that because you can get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but Jordan Bennington is just a whiny little bitch throwing water bottles in a post-game press conference. Like, you're not even going to, like, call him out personally. Yo, if you went into that press conference where he's getting interviewed and went up and tried to, like, talk to him in the interview and called him out in the interview, I would have more respect than just throwing a water bottle and running away. Like, you are a pussy in every sense of the word. Uh, that is pretty wild. I feel like we've seen people like that in other sports. But hockey, hockey, it's, it's different because, like you said, you should be able to and usually will be able to be held accountable on a physical level that you yeah. can't in other sports. But I've never seen, not even in the I've never seen someone throw a water bottle at the other team's player while he's getting interviewed after the game and then Run scurry away. away. <laughs> that, like, is, that is crazy. Yeah. That is, that is, that is real, some nuts stuff. Yeah. I and didn't I, even know the full story until you just told me that. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it was in an interview after a game and then he ran Yeah. Away. That's crazy. And that you can be mad at Nazem Kadri because he has a history of trying to injure players, throwing dirty hits. Do I think he purposely interview, in, uh, interviewed, injured Bennington? No, absolutely not. Players go sliding into the goalies all the time. Shit. Stuff happens. Um, but, like, you, if you want to call him out, go for it. Even inter- interrupt his interview. I don't care. But to then just not say a word, throw a water bottle like a child, and then run away. No, I get you. Pathetic. Right. Yeah, I get you. All right. With that, we are ready to wrap things up. Our final two segments, as always. Jesse, you have the lead actually on both of these, but Ooh. start with our uh, start with our main one. The Tommy? I mean, start with our first one there. I, I don't think there's much to talk about on this one this week. But. No. No. After, after last week... He's been a little quiet, uh, but actually he was, you know, he was watching some hockey games, and he actually had a little conversation with LeBron on Twitter. Uh, he asked LeBron, you, me, five rounds, ice hockey, shootout, who wins? LeBron thinks he'll win. Uh, LeBron said, me, but barely. Maybe my swing from my knees, though. As in, like, he'll, he'll just go from his knees and take a slap <laughs> shot like that. But uh, he had a little... Uh, interaction with LeBron. Actually, they do like to talk a lot on Twitter. I mean, they are the faces of the NFL, the NBA. They love to interact. Um, I'm sure they'll play golf together one day. But yeah. That's that's kind of all Tom Brady was up to today, watching some hockey, asking some questions to LeBron Yanes. Yeah, do you think at some point they're going to do, like, the celebrity match things and LeBron and Tom Brady are going to play golf? I think, yeah. You know, that'd be, that'd be good. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever actually seen LeBron play golf. I feel like I have. I, he's probably. I'm sure he does, because every athlete seems to go play golf. Yeah. And but like I've seen Steph Curry play a bunch of golf. Steph Curry's actually really good at golf. <clears throat> yes. I've heard. Um, uh-huh. I, uh huh. What's his name? Oh, he played with LeBron. Wasn't Steph Curry already part of a charity golf thing already? I think. No. Yeah, he did. Oh, he did, that, he did that last year. Yeah. Um. Oh, what was his name? He was the guy. He was on the Cavaliers with LeBron, and he was the one that like he thought they were winning. But it was a tie game, so he just dribbled the ball around. J.R. Smith? Yes. He's a really good golfer. Is he? Yeah. He's, uh, he's playing college golf. <laughs> he went back to college and is on the golf team. No way. Yeah. That's so weird. Um, but like, yeah, I didn't I, even know that was illegal. <sighs> <laughs> I mean, when you're that rich and famous, I'm sure you can do whatever you and want. It's, and it's golf. Like it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not even <laughs> pro golf. Yeah. But like every, yeah, every year Tom Brady does this golf stuff. Like he did it with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it with Peyton. Um, and the, the Peyton one was great. Yeah. And it, he was doing it with uh, Mahomes and Josh Allen this year. Yes. And I forget who his partner is supposed to be. I forget who it is, too. Uh, but anyway. 
I'm sure they'll play golf at some point. Yep. All right. With that, we're going to finish this up, guys. Darwin Award. This is a real good one this week. Yes. All right. Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is Yankees minor league prospect Jake Sanford. Yes. Jake Sanford is our Darwin Award winner. What an idiot. Jesse, take it away. So this guy, and we even talked about me and you. I'm sure we've even talked about it on the show, about how oh, we definitely have with uh, when we were talking about the lockup stuff, about yeah. how minor league players are kind of treated like crap in the MLB. Um, and I, I heard the Angels are the worst offenders of this. Yes. And some of them are living with their parents. Some of them have second jobs in like the offseason and stuff like that. Um, some of them really have to live very, very low lives, essentially. But no one has ever done this, at least not that I've heard of. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't that high of a prospect. So I get like, you know, especially if you're not that high of a prospect, you really got to you really can't live beyond your means. But uh, yeah, Jake Stanford here, he was stealing bats, gloves, equipment from his teammates. He was stealing them. So that's bad enough. He was then selling them online. And then the real kicker, after selling them online and getting the money, he wouldn't give up the equipment. He would keep the equipment. He would not only would he screw over his teammates by stealing their stuff, he would then screw over the people he tried to sell it to by not giving them the stuff. (laughs) So, like, if you want to get away with this, you you can't can't piss off two different parties. Yeah, you should probably at least give the stuff away. Yes. So then someone's not like. Hey, I bought this thing, but I never got it from this guy. Now I'm going to go look him up. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what were you thinking? And I get it. You, these guys are poor. They don't have a lot going for them because they're just in the – they're just waiting to get called up. So they don't have any money yet. <clears throat> trying to make a name for themselves in any way they can. Trying to get some extra money here and there. Like I said, some of them even have second jobs. But you are stealing things <laughs> from your teammates. And selling it and then screwing people over. So you're pocketing the money, keeping the stuff. Like, you are... That's so dumb. It is. No, that, that's... The final kicker for me is the fact that I did something illegal, right? But instead of making the people who are buying the things from me and giving me the money that I just took a risk for, I'm going to piss them off, too. Yeah. That is just beyond stupid. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if I would give him a Darwin Award if it was only the first thing. Because I might just be like... We probably never would have heard it if it was just the first thing. Probably never even would have been found out. But I probably would have been like, I mean, yes, it's bad. You shouldn't do that. But that's just a scumbaggy move. But also, like, I get maybe you were really in bad financial situation and you needed to make ends meet somehow, some way. Like, that's just more, like, scumbaggy than just stupid. Like, I can see why you think you could get away with that. But the second part <laughs> is just mind-blowing idiocy to me that you would then not give the product to the people who bought it from yeah. you. I mean, you're, like, guaranteeing at some point you're going to get caught if you do that. Yeah. Someone's going to get mad enough of you to look up who you are and find out about this. Yeah. I'm sure he got reported by oh. someone who he oh, I'm sure. screwed over. And, like... Uh, listen, maybe there was some suspicions in the clubhouse. And your name is so easy to look up. Jake Sanford. Not just that, but, like, I can just look up. Uh, even though you're not a big name, you're still big enough in your own little town or city that by the fact that you got drafted mm. that I can look up your name and you will pop up eventually. Or you'll just pop up 
on the AAA website or the AA website or single A website. You know what I hope? <laughs> I hope he got found out because someone he sold something to um, got screwed. They're like, ah, oh, F this Jake Sanford guy. They then go to a game and now batting. Jake Sanford is like, wait a minute. That's the guy that was selling me the gear. No way. And I hope, I hope that's how it went. Like you were a public figure still. Yeah. Like that is amazing to me. And like you are in, yeah, yeah. most people don't know, even like just the Fairweather fans, even some like hardcore fans don't know everyone in the minor leagues. There's just so many, even for your own team. But you are in the poster child franchise. Yeah, but if you sell me something and I know your, and I know your name because I'm communicating with you that you're going to sell me something, I can just go and look up your name. I hope he... <laughs> I mean, if you were dumb enough to get caught, like, there's no way you're using a fake name, right? I mean, even then, but if there's any sort of picture or proof at all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and he probably was still marketing it as Yankees products or the minor league system products. Or like, I, probably. This was from a game of... A, there's just too many things to follow here that you think you're not going to get found mm. out if you piss somebody off. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. And for his troubles... I want to say this is all alleged, so we don't get – not that anyone's going to see this, but, like, we don't get to see it. This is all alleged, yet, but he has been cut for his troubles. Yeah. So, like, I don't think they you, know. You couldn't sue for that. You're a public figure. Oh, him? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're accused of things, you can't just – No, I mean, you can't you say can, he did No, I'm saying you can sue us over that. Yeah, but that's – You're what, a public figure, and this is public knowledge. Yeah, but it's still, like – I mean, not that I think he's going to get charged with anything – because it's like oh, no, I, no, I meant you when you had to say allegedly. Like I don't think we could actually get in trouble for this. I'm or, still putting it up. I know allegedly, <laughs> but he's he, he's been cut for his troubles. So you went from being like you know trying to make ends meet as a minor leaguer to now you're not even making that money. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah, you got paid to play a game and you blew it up. All right, so Jake Sanford. Our Darwin Award winner. One of the better ones that we've ever done, mm. in my opinion. <laughs> All right. With that, guys, that has been it for this edition of Slow Your Roll for the week. Good luck to the Celtics tonight. I think they're going to win. I don't think I'd bet it because Vegas has it at minus seven. That seems like kind of a lot for me to want to swallow. But, hell, I think Boston's winning this game. And, uh, yeah. Sorry, Pats fans. You're winning seven games. Mm. All right, that has been it for us at Slow Your Roll on Instagram, slowyourroll.com for a website for all the links to the past episodes, news, Jesse's articles, everything like that, and even Slow Your Roll on Twitter. All right, guys, have a great rest of your week.